Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. Now, I'm talking to you about will the real Jesus please stand up because there's so many fake Jesuses being taught out there. I don't know if you're aware of it, but social media has introduced us to all kinds of false stuff, false prophets, false teachers, false Christs. What you believe about Jesus will decide your eternal destiny. So we got to be sure we're right about who Jesus really is. Who's Jesus? Who was Jesus really? Well, we're going to look at the Word of God today. I'm going to talk to you about the Savior. As a matter of fact, I'm going to preach Jesus up, and I'm going to preach lies down. All right? So let's read the text. In the beginning was the Word, that is Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God when everything started in the beginning. Through him, watch this, your Savior now. Through him, all things were made. Everything. Stars, planets, universe, galaxies, the seas, the mammals, the birds, marine life. All flowed through the fingertips of the Jesus we just worshipped. Look what happened to him. He came to that which was his own, the Jewish, oh, verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize the maker. How strange. He came to that which was his own, that means the Jewish people, but his own didn't accept him didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, everybody say, that's me. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13, they are reborn. Amen. Everybody say, born twice. Born once, you're lost. Born twice, you're saved. Born once, you're hellbound. Born twice, you're heavenbound. Born once, you're blind. Born twice, you see. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Look what it says about Jesus, verse 14. The word became flesh means human. God became human and made his dwelling among us. And John said to know him was to see glory. We've seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from where, everyone? From the Father, and he was full of grace and truth. Isn't that beautiful? Father, thank you for your word. Help us to leave today with a clear understanding of who Jesus was and is. In his name we pray, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to learn about the real Jesus today. Based on the passages we just read in John, it's very, very clear that there's nobody in history like Jesus. There is nobody in all of history that can even hold a candle to Jesus. Not anybody. He never wrote a book, but countless 
Millions of books have been written about him. His shadow stretches across all of history. In every nation, city, state, town, hamlet, race, color, creed. His shadow has stretched across the entire globe for 20 centuries. But he was just one man who made it to 33 years old, and he was born in a very obscure part of the world. And yet we're all here because of him. You're here because of him, and I'm here because of him. If he had not been born, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. The very calendar itself testifies to his influence, how vast it is. For 10 centuries, all events have been dated either before him, B.C., or A.D., after him. All of time is divided by Christ. He's the greatest figure of all time. There is nobody like him in history. I don't care who you want to bring up. Nobody comes close. His personality has influenced the entire human race, and that's why it's very important that we're clear about who who he was. I want you to think about it. If Jesus had not been born, many of the great classic books They were all introduced to growing up. They would never have been written because they were written because of him. Uh, Many of the great symphonies would never have been written and never would have been heard if not for Christ because Beethoven, Bach, Handel, they all wrote the symphonies to lift him up, to, to, to glorify him. It would all be gone. Other vast volumes of Christian theme music would immediately disappear if Jesus had not been born. It would be a dull, drab, dark, gray, foggy, bummer of a world. Hmm. No stage and choir productions. No inspirational movies and plays. Endless thousands of Christ-centered songs on top of all the rest, all the hymns, all the contemporary music, all the classic music, you name it. Songs about Christ are all throughout history, and they dominate the music scene. So how did Jesus, one man, have such an impact? Think about it. Stop and consider it. How did he have such an impact? Who was and who is the real Jesus? Because according to my Bible, we're all going to meet him, and we're all going to answer to him. So it's very important we understand who he is. Well, to begin with, Jesus repeatedly presented himself as a totally unique man. He leaves us no doubt that he was either completely and totally insane, genuinely psychopathic, or he was who he said he was. He doesn't leave wiggle room because of who he claimed to be himself. He he dared to say that he was God. He, He claimed to be sent directly from God on a rescue mission. He claimed to come be sent by God, not to show up on the stage of history, but he claimed to be specially Sent by God. 
on a rescue mission. John 3, 34, for whom God has sent, he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He was sent. And what was he sent to do? Well, he tells us what he was sent to do. He said, the Son of Man came to find lost people and save them. You want to know why I was sent? I came to find lost people, and that was the entire human race, and save them. Save them from what? Their sin and from hell. Save them. That one verse is a little brief autobiographical sketch that he gave us of himself. That alone lets us know this, this man, Jesus, was totally unique. None of us can say, well, God sent me here. I came from heaven, and God sent me here to rescue you. You would say, really? And you'd be making a phone call real quick to have me taken over to a nice place and get help. But Jesus said, I've been sent. I've been sent on a mission. I've been sent exclusively and uniquely to rescue you. You look at the world's religions, the founders all said something key. Buddha said, I have found the way. Buddha said that, I have found the way. Nirvana, I have found the way. The Hindu god Brahman said, I show you the way. Muhammad, the founder of Islam, said, through an angel, God has revealed to me the way. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. The way to what? The way to heaven, the way to deliverance, the way to freedom, the way to truth. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And, and no man gets to the Father unless they go through me. Totally exclusive, totally unique, either crazy or he was who he said he was. Who's Jesus? The real Jesus. I want the real Jesus to stand up. I want the real Jesus to be known. Now, because he was who he said he was and he was totally unique and sent on this mission, uh, his person and his work have been under attack from the get-go. Remember when he was baptized by John, came up out of the water, and it says the Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove, and a voice was heard, God's voice, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. I'm well pleased with him. This is my beloved son. Now, Jesus went straight from there into the wilderness, and what did the devil challenge? His person. If you are the son of God, if you are who you think you are, then do this, do that, do the other. Prove it. So Satan attacked the person and the work of Christ. And that's what he loves to attack and always attacks. And there are all kinds of fresh attacks against the person and work of Christ in our day. That's why I want to be very clear here at Turning Point. I don't want us to be confused at all about who Jesus was and is. The greatest heresies in the history of the church, a heresy means a departure from the truth. The greatest heresies in the history of the church have centered around the person and the work of Christ. They have attacked, diluted him, uh, sold him short, watered him down, compromised him. 
confused the facts about him, tried to, to take from who he really was. Because you're not going to get saved unless you come to the real one. Oh, he was a good man, but he wasn't God, some claim, many claim. He was a good man, but he wasn't God. Or he didn't really die on the cross. That's what Islam teaches. He wasn't virgin born. Come on, virgin born? That's metaphorical. Not really. He didn't literally arise from the dead. Are you kidding me? These are all heresies. These are all attacks against his person throughout history. And, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, hear me on this one. All of us are going to have to be very clear about who Jesus was and is in this day and age because his person and his work are under attack. And whole denominations are walking away from the truth that is in Christ. The the heresies surrounding him today are no different. They're just old heresies in a new suit. Old heresies in a new disguise. Old heresies with a new mask. But there's old heresies. And I want to look at a couple of them today. And I want to clear the muddy water. I want us to know who Jesus really was and is. You okay with that? Let's do it. Here's one. And this one is gaining ground in our day. Jesus came into existence when he was born of the Virgin Mary. That's when he came into existence. When he was born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, Until then, his critics contend, he wasn't there. No, he came to be when he was born of the Virgin Mary on that first Christmas morn. Little baby born in a manger that everybody focuses on during Christmas time. In other words, here's the deal. He wasn't the eternal son of God. Because one thing we've got to get about Jesus, he was God. God the Son. That means he was eternal. From everlasting this way to everlasting that way, thou art God. He was the eternal God the Son. (laughs) Scripture is very clear that our Lord Jesus that we just worship uh, has always been. He's always been. At no time did Jesus come to be. No, at no time did Jesus come to be. He did not come to be when he was born in the little manger in the in Bethlehem. No, that's not when he came to be. No, when he was born in Bethlehem as a baby, God the Son had just changed locations. He had gone from heaven to earth. That's it. But he was still God the Son. He was still God the Son. He was eternal. Jesus was never created, never invented, never conjured. When you hear about Jesus, you're hearing about one that it's always been. Now, that's a mind twister because we can't think about eternity because in our world of time and space, everything has a beginning and everything has an ending. But there is one thing that never began and never ends. That's God. You say, Pastor, I don't understand that. You don't have to understand it. Just accept it because that's what the Bible tells us about God. If he's not eternal, he's not God. He's only God if he's eternal. And so if God the Father is that way, God the Son is that way, and God the Spirit is that way. He was, as the prophet Micah said, the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old. Now watch this. Goings forth means his activities 
his actions have been from of old, from everlasting. So the activities, the actions, the work of Jesus, the, the moving of Jesus, the activity of Jesus has been as far back in eternity past as you can reach. Michael was telling us that an eternal personality was going to be born in Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, though you are a little tiny among the clans of Judah, out of you shall he, capital H, come forth, whose goings, whose activities have been from of old, from everlasting. So he wasn't just a nice guy in sandals with long blonde hair and pretty blue eyes walking around saying nice things to people. No. God visited the planet via the baby born in Bethlehem. Jeff, do you really believe that? (laughs) I stand here because I believe that. I stand here as a result of it. Yes. So as far back in time and eternity as you want to reach, how can we even comprehend that? Let me try to help you. Imagine for a moment a mile-high mountain mountain of granite. It's a mile high, a mountain made of only granite, a mile high. And then imagine that once every 10,000 years, a little bird flies past it and brushes it with his feather. When that mountain of granite has worn down to nothing, eternity has just started. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And go way back to after that mountain is worn to nothing, there stands God the Son. He didn't come to be. He's always been. Are you there? The prophet Isaiah wrote, for unto us a child is born. This is prophesying Christmas. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. But listen to the next two descriptives. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's telling us he's always been, and his future rule will never end. He's going to rule the world and rule the universe forever and forever and forever. So eternity past and eternity forward, there stands God the Son. So say with me, he never came to be. He's always been. Tell your neighbor, that's good news. (laughs) Now there's another rumor floating around out there, and i got to clear this up. It's gaining traction. And I'm going to show you how in just a moment. But many people are now believing that when Jesus was here, he sinned. Oh, that seems incredible to us. But here's, here's their take. Since he was fully human, he was a human. And being just a human, it's wrong to make him more than he was, which was just a human. And being a human, he sinned just like you and me. Say, I don't know anybody that believes that well. In a recent Barna survey, recent Barna survey polled Americans. About half of Americans polled 
agree strongly or somewhat that while he lived on earth, Jesus Christ was human and committed sins like other people. 52% of Americans polled believe that. That's incredible because only a sinless Savior can save you. Uh, but it's not the case at all. A sin nature, let me tell you about a sin nature. A sin nature is the inheritance of all of us as children of Adam. Our great, 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 great granddaddy was Adam. And the Bible says when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread. It spread to some men. No, it spread to everyone for everyone sinned. We all inherited the sin nature. We all inherited the inclination and the bent to sin. When you're raising kids, what are you trying to teach them to not do? Sin. Don't do that. But I want to do that. They're little rebels. Where do they get that rebellion? They're born with a sin nature. So our job as parents is to get them to not go the direction they shouldn't go and that they would naturally go without discipline. Because we're born with Adam's nature. This is why the Bible says everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone, all, everyone, everyone sinned. We've all sinned. And the Greek tense here is everyone continues to keep on sinning and falling short of the glory of God. Because we've got a sin nature. Nobody has to teach us to lie. Nobody has to teach us to rebel. Nobody has to teach us to resent discipline. Nobody has to teach us to resent authority. We do that all on our own just fine, thank you. Right? As head of the human race, Adam's sin and fallen nature were passed down to all of us. But here's the thing. That wasn't true of Jesus. Because of the virgin birth, he had no human father. God did an ingenious thing. Now, I I hesitate to say that because God created genius. But I'm going to say it anyway. It was an ingenious thing. He totally circumvented the, the Adamic nature, the Adam nature, by how Jesus was conceived. He was conceived. Mary was wondering when the angel Gabriel came and told her, you're going to bring forth the Christ child. You're going to conceive a child. She said, how can I conceive a child being a virgin? And the angel Gabriel said to her, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and the power of God will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be utterly holy. The son of Joseph, the son of who? God. Literally, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Because Jesus was not conceived by earthly means. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. And there was a supernatural, miraculous conception. And when God did that, he totally dodged and circumvented Jesus having Adam's fallen nature. Because though he was human, he didn't have a fallen nature. Because his daddy was not earthly, but his daddy was God. If you said to Jesus, if you said to Jesus, who's your daddy? He would not say Joseph. Joseph was his stepfather. His real father was God, conceived miraculously by the Holy Ghost. And if you don't believe that, you're not saved. 
So because of his miraculous supernatural conception, he did not inherit Adam's fallen nature. So he lived a sinless life in every way. 52% of Americans think he sinned. No, no, America, wake up. Listen to Hebrews 4.15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses since he had the same temptations we do, though he never once gave way to them and sinned. Mm -mm. So he wasn't guilty by association with Adam, and he wasn't guilty by his own sin. The Bible says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. He had no sin. Jesus did not know what it was like to have a shadow pass between him and God. He did not know what it was like to look up and say, Father, forgive me, I sinned. Never once in his 33 years of life did he ever do that. He was sinless. Only a sinless Savior, ladies and gentlemen, could die on the cross for you and me and take our sin upon himself that we might be forgiven and saved. Only a sinless Savior. Buddha can't do that for you. Muhammad can't do that for you. Confucius can't do that for you. Zoroaster can't do that for you. Being a good person can't do that for you. Only a sinless Savior. See the scapegoat in the Old Testament. Aaron was told by God when they were going through the wilderness, he said, Aaron, take a goat and lay your hands on that goat. And when you lay your hands on that goat, confess over that goat all of the sins, transgressions, and iniquities of Israel. And then you let that goat go and walk into the wilderness to an uninhabited place. And as he walks away, it is symbolic that he's carrying the sins of the people with him. All that goat was was a signpost pointing to Jesus. Because on the cross, a wonder happened. A miracle happened. Something inconceivable to our minds happened. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God was laying on him the iniquity of us all. He was the scapegoat, the ultimate scapegoat, God's sacrificial lamb. Only a sinless Savior could take your sins and mine, all of our sins, all the sins we've ever committed, and said, God, forgive me. All the sins of our whole life and of the collective human race were placed on the head of Jesus on the cross. His pure, sinless blood was the only currency that could deliver you and me and purchase us off the slave block of sin and deliver us from hell. His blood was currency. It was the only thing that could buy us off of condemnation off of the fast track to hell. It was the only thing, the blood of Christ, and it had to be sinless or it was no good. Listen to Peter. God paid a ransom to save you. A ransom is what you paid to get a slave off the slave block, to set them free. You paid a ransom. 
God is literally by using this language letting us know God paid a ransom to save you off the slave block of sin. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know. But listen to this, everybody. Verse 19. But he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ. Listen to the descriptives. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Oh, yeah. He never sinned. All of our sin and guilt were placed on him. Listen to Isaiah as we come to a close. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, thank God for the cross. Listen, listen to what he bore. To ransom you and me, he suffered pain, suffering, crushing, punishment, wounding, piercing. All those things he did for you and for me so that we could be healed. Amen. So was Jesus born on Christmas morning? Is that when he came to be? Oh, no. He's eternal. Did he sin like you and me? Never. He was sinless, and that qualified him to die in our place. Can we stand together today? Aren't you glad that we serve a mighty Savior? And let me tell you something else about him. He's about to come back. Yeah. He's about to come back. And history will end at his feet. Not global warming. Can I just tell you the truth? That's not the way the human race is going to come to a close. Not global warming. Jesus came to deliver us from warming of another kind. Right? <laughs> so let's, let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus dying for us. We thank you, Lord, that he paid the price. We thank you that he never sinned. We thank you that he never came to be. He always was as God the Son. We serve a mighty Savior, and a mighty Savior died in our stead and rose from the dead so that we too will one day come out of the grave resurrected. He was the first fruits of many to come, including us. And we thank you for it, Lord, with our heads bowed. I want to just talk to you, just to you. Just pretend like it's just you and me in here. Let me talk to you. Do you know him? Do you know that you know him? Has, has that precious, sinless, spotless blood of Christ covered your sin where it's carried away as far as the east is from the west? Have you placed your faith in him? Because listen to me, I'm talking just, just to you as an individual. The cross does you no good unless you place your faith in the one on that cross. If you don't place your faith in him, it does you no good. 
Your, it, your sin is still there. My sin is still there. I've got to place faith in him. By grace, you are saved through faith. Have you placed faith in him and said, Jesus, forgive me. Wash my sin away. I place faith in you as my Lord and Savior. Have you done that? It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you've got a question mark about whether or not that's taking place in your life, I would settle it today. I would not get on that highway with a question mark about my walk with Christ. No, we need to pray together. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and you can pray it with me. It's what I prayed so long ago, sitting in a juvenile detention center as a 16-year-old boy. I prayed this same prayer. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. I place my faith in your shed blood. I ask you to forgive me and wash my sin away. I place faith in you as my Lord and Savior. Save me today, Lord. In Jesus' name.